This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Good morning there, podcast listeners. Hope you're enjoying your day. You know, as the market gets closer to its closing time currently right now, the market is currently up right now, and it seems like Wall Street is pretty happy of what might be coming with the potential rate hikes now. You know, they're a little bipolar sometimes, you know, on Wall Street, but I guess it is Monday, and so they're just looking forward to what could happen this week. So we got some big news that's not being talked about currently on Wall Street, at least not on their channels currently right now. First off, we have some news from Amgen. Amgen is buying out another company and what this could mean for Amgen going forward, okay? Then we got some news from Microsoft. Microsoft is planning to buy a near 4% stake in the London Stock Exchange. And at the same time, there's other news that isn't so bright for Microsoft, but it hasn't been talked about as much and has to do with LinkedIn currently right now. Then we have some news from China as well. Police in China have arrested a gang who were laundering about... 1.7 billion of crypto. And what does that mean going forward for the crypto markets? And the last thing we'll talk about today is how the Democratic Party right now is ripping on big oil companies because they they believe that they are what is called greenwashing. And what does this greenwashing mean overall? So with that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. And everything I talk about this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please note that I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. And everything I talk about this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. You need to talk to your own professional advisor as they understand your financial situation a lot better than I would. And I legally cannot give you any financial advice. This podcast is for information entertainment purposes only. And I have to mention today, because we will be talking a little bit about oil, I do have positions in Chevron, Exxon, and British Petroleum. And they are long-term positions, and they are small positions. So with that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Amgen to buy Horizon Therapeutics in a $26.4 billion deal. Amgen is spending more than $26 billion to dive deeper into rare disease treatments with the acquisition of drug maker Horizon Therapeutics. The biotech drug developer said Monday that it will pay $116.50 in cash for each share of Horizon, which makes a treatment for for thyroid eye disease that generated more than $1 billion in its first full year on market. Shares of Horizon jumped 15% before the opening bell Monday. U.S. trade shares of the Irish company have already soared about 30% since it's confirmed late last month that had begun highly preliminary discussions about an acquisition with Amgen, the French drug maker Sanofi, and Johnson Johnson's Janison's division. Amgen has confirmed discussions were taking place and said that the offer it made for Horizon likely would be in cash. The deal laid out Monday represents a premium of 48% to Horizon's closing price at $78.76 before it made the late November announcement. The Horizon deal will give Amgen another chance to build its portfolio for, of rare disease treatments after it closed in October a roughly $3.7 billion acquisition of Chemocentrics, I think that's what it's called, which focused the autoimmune disease drugs. Horizon Therapeutics, based in Dublin, develops potential treatments for rare, autoimmune, and severe inflammation 
inflammatory diseases. Its bestseller, Tebetsa, is also approved in the United States and treats eyes bulging and double vision from thyroid eye disease. U.S. regulators approved Tebetsa in early 2020 of the first treatment for thyroid eye disease. The drug sales more than doubled last year to $1.6 billion, about half of the company's total sales of $3.23 billion. The Food and Drug Administration gave Tepetsa orphan drug status, which comes with financing incentives and exclusive marketing benefits that are intended to encourage drug makers to develop rare disease treatments. Horizon also makes uh, Christeska, I think it is, for uncontrolled gout. Sales of the, untreat- of the treatment grew 39% year-to-date to $565.5 million. Amgen, it will continue to grow. In fact, like I've mentioned in past podcasts, uh, the... The uh, therapeutic area, the drug makers, they're probably going to be making a lot of money going forward. And honestly, with COVID coming to an end, there's going to be chances that you're going to hear more stories about how drug companies are coming up with more drug diseases or not drug new, new drug diseases. That's the wrong thing to say. How drug companies are going to come up with new cures for drug diseases potentially in the making because the year of... COVID or the years of COVID, they're pretty much going away. Not 100%. COVID will still be around us as a people in general because it will be a new disease. But these drug companies are focusing on other diseases now, which means companies are going to potentially have to be growing or you're going to see bigger names buying out more companies. Remember, Pfizer just bought out another drug company as well. And now Amgen just made a move. How much longer until we see another company buy out another one? What's nice about the drug area for investing, and this isn't financial advice, obviously, is that these drug companies, there's usually a lot of small ones. Like they'll start off being like, we're going to focus on this one disease. And they do. And then if they eventually get their patent or they figure out how to make the drug work, then bigger drug companies tend to buy them out. Okay. There's always going to be a new disease out there. And we always want to try to stay as healthy as possible as human beings. So it seems like the drug companies are going to be potentially buying out the little guys soon. At least for now, it seems like. But drug industry might be on the growth phase in the making. Amgen will probably be growing for a while, just based off the thyroid drug that they now have in their portfolio, should the deal go through. But it should be continue to be interesting to see how a lot of these drug companies go going forward. I just expect a lot of acquisitions to be made soon in the drug, in the drug area of the market currently. Continuing on, Microsoft buys near 4% stake in London Stock Exchange as part of 10-year cloud deal. Whoa. From CNBC, London. U.S. tech giant Microsoft on Monday announced a 10-year partnership with the London Stock Exchange uh, group and took took a near 4% stake in the U.K. browser operator. The the partnership involves next-generation data and analytics, as well as cloud computing products, according to a statement by LSEG. It includes a new data infrastructure for the London Exchange and analytics and modeling solutions with Microsoft Azuri and AI and Microsoft Teams. LSEG shares were up 4% in Europe on Monday. Quote, the strategic partnership is a significant milestone on LSEG journey toward becoming the leading global financial markets infrastructure and data business and will transform the experience of our customers. David uh, Schwimmer, CEO of LSEG, said in the statement, Microsoft will purchase an approximately 4% stake in the UK firm from the Blackstone slash Thomas Rudders consortium. The deal will see various Microsoft products used across different parts of LSEG's business. Microsoft will migrate the browser data platform and other key infrastructures into its cloud belt on Azure the U.S. giant large public cloud product. LSEG 
and a contractual agreement over a 10 year period to spend a minimum of 2.8 billion on cloud related products with Microsoft. Okay, that's kind of a big deal. Remember, Microsoft got crushed last quarter because they weren't doing well in their in their avenues or not well not in their avenues in their advertising segment for their company off of Bing advertisement and LinkedIn LinkedIn advertisements. So this could be a big deal for Microsoft going forward. It means Microsoft could be potentially not this quarter but maybe in a quarter or two, they could be back in profitability, at least for a couple of years, if it is a 10-year contract, like it says here, okay? And But then again, that's also not a lot of money at the end of the day. So it could just be like a tiny bump that will help their cash reserves go up a little bit. Continuing on, it says the stock exchange said it's, it's consistent with existing long-term spending plans. Microsoft and LSG will also work together in developing new professional collaboration tools, LSEG has developed a product called Workspace, a data and analytics platform. The two companies will be working on advancing this product and integrating it into Microsoft Teams, the firm's messaging app. The release also said that Scott, uh, said that Scott, Microsoft Executive Vice President of the Cloud and AI Groups, will be appointed as the non-executive director of LSEG. Okay. Like I said, this is a good day for Microsoft here in the making. Okay. Now, granted, they do have problems because they are being blocked by the securities and exchange in the United States to buy out Activision Blizzard. But Microsoft might be able to weather this storm for a bit, especially now that they're going to be sending their products for their cloud services to the London Stock Exchange. Okay, But there are some other news to pay attention with Microsoft. And I'm surprised that uh, CNBC isn't talking about this a little bit more. Well, they kind of do in this article, but they're not talking about it on their platforms. Okay. Granted, this article did come out on a Friday, and Friday was a pretty slow day for the markets in general, but we wanted to talk about it in today's podcast. So it says here, LinkedIn has a fake account problem it's trying to fix. Real users are part of the solution. Okay. It says here, anyone who depends on LinkedIn to search for jobs, find business partners, or other pro opportunities is probably aware that the business social media site has had issues with fake profiles. Well, while that is no different than any other social media platforms, including Twitter and Facebook, it presents a different set of problems for users who look to use LinkedIn for professional purposes. Between January 1st and June 30th, more than 21 million fake accounts were detected and removed from LinkedIn, according to the company's community report. While 95.3% of those fake accounts were stopped by registration by automated defenses, according to the company, there was nearly a 28% increase in fake accounts caught compared to a previous six months period. LinkedIn says it currently has more than 875 million members on its platform. While the Microsoft owned professional social media platform has rolled out new features in recent months to help users better determine if someone's contacting them in a real or fake profile, cybersecurity experts say there are several things that users on the platform can do to protect themselves. Creators of fake LinkedIn profiles sometimes try to drive engagement through contents like that links to um, mal Malice sites, uh, said Mike uh, Clifton, Executive Vice President and Chief Information and Digital Officer at Alcorica, a global consumer service outsourcing firm. Quote, for example, we see that those that revolved around posts and content promoting a work event, such as a webinar that uses real photos and real and people's real information to legitimize the information and get others to register, often on a fake third-party website, Clifton, Clifton said. Okay. Now, they, they talk about how to avoid these fake accounts, like they say here. Recruiters who rely heavily on LinkedIn to search for prospect employees can find fake profiles especially troublesome. 
In addition, in other areas of fraud management, for example, when suspicious e-commerce transactions are being manually reviewed, agents will look across social media sites, including LinkedIn, to try and see if any see if a, a person has credibility, digital footprint, which would suggest that they have a real person rather than a fake identity. Gardner seeing other problems with phony accounts across the social media platforms. Bad actors are trying to craft fake identities and make them look real by leaving possible looking digital footprints across different platforms. It's more likely that the fake profiles are set up manually, Kong said. However, these bad actors are creating large numbers of fake profiles, which can be used to abuse advertising processes or to sell large volumes of followers or like on demand, they'll be using bots to automate the process of creating fake accounts. Okay, so the fake accounts is real. Okay, and it's funny how Twitter is like, getting rid of them. And like I've said, like Twitter has been getting rid and people are freaking out that they're like, Oh, I don't have as many followers. Well, you have a bunch of fake bot accounts in the making, which means Elon Musk was right to question buying out Twitter a few months ago. Okay. We talked about this in the past podcast. He didn't want to buy out Twitter until Twitter could show him that there weren't fake accounts and they weren't willing to do that. Then they took him to court he didn't want to go to court, so he bought out the company. And now he's been revealing all his information. And now LinkedIn is having to go through this as well, okay? But Microsoft might have a way, or at least LinkedIn in this case, might have a way to be able to do this, okay? It says here, tools of, a tools of detection do exist, but using them is not an exact science. Verifying the identity of a user when creating an account would be another effective way to make it more difficult to set up fake accounts. But such identity proofing would be an impact in terms of cost and user experience concept. So these platforms are trying to strike a balance in terms of integrity of accounts and not putting users off creating accounts, he said. LinkedIn is taking steps to address the fake account problems. The site is using technology such as artificial intelligence, along with teams of experts to remove policy violating content that is detects before the content goes live. The vast majority of de detected fake accounts are caught on automated defenses such as AI, according to the blog post from Oscar Rodriguez, vice president of production management at LinkedIn. LinkedIn declined to comment further. The company is also collaborating with peers, companies, policymakers, law enforcement, and government agencies in efforts to prevent fraudulent activity on the site. In its latest efforts to stop fake accounts, LinkedIn rolled out a new feature and systems in October to help users make more inform informed decisions about members they are interacting with, as well as enhancing its automated systems that keep inauthentic profiles and activity off of platforms. You know, the fake accounts will probably continue. But like I said, I'm quite surprised that this isn't brought up more, okay? It was brought up a lot with Elon Musk and Twitter. Now, granted, Elon Musk is a bigger profile name, and so it was new, it was quote-unquote newsworthy at the time. But people will continue to make fake accounts. It also makes me wonder, when these companies report that there's a lot of users using their accounts, how many of them are actually fake, if you think about it, okay? Think about this, okay? Pinterest did really well last quarter based off their advertising revenue, and I wonder how many of those accounts on Pinterest are fake. I don't know. It's hard. We wouldn't be able to tell, right? I know for a fact there probably is a lot of fake accounts on Instagram, okay? In fact, sometimes when you, at least I've noticed, whenever I get friend requests on Instagram, I always like check out the profile, and if I see like the image is like all sandy looking, I'm like, yeah, this is not a real account at the end of the day. There's a lot of fake accounts out there and this trend probably is going to continue for a while. Okay. And this is what these tech companies are gonna have to start figuring out. But I also now going forward, at least my own personal opinion, you should never listen about the numbers of people using the, the platform because now I'm starting to realize maybe a lot of these accounts are fake that they're talking about and they might not even know it at the end of the day, or maybe they do. And they just want the, they just want wall street to just, 
shower them with their investment money so that they can continue to build their business. It's a weird thought to think about, but it is something that has to be talked about. But speaking of fake accounts, how about fake money? Okay. So here's here. Police in China arrest gang who laundered 1.7 billion in via crypto, even after Beijing's crackdown. From CNBC, police in China arrested 63 people accused of laundering as much as 12 billion Chinese yuan via cryptocurrencies, which is 1.7 billion in US dollars, amid Beijing's intense crackdowns on trading on digital coins. Starting from May 1st, no correction, starting from May of 2021, a criminal gang alleged using process uh, proceeds from illicit sources, including pyramid schemes, fraud, and gambling, and converted it into cryptocurrency tether, a stable coin that is. Pe- uh, that's pegged one-to-one with the U.S. dollar. The Public Security Bureau of Inner Mongolia, uh, Tongliao City in North China said in a statement over the weekend, the gang are said to have used various different cryptocurrencies trading accounts to convert the money back into the Chinese yen. They said that the messaging service Telegram, which is blocked in China to recruit various people around the country who would have who would open crypto accounts to help launder the funds. The police said those people would receive a commission according to how much money they laundered, the police added. The authorities said more than 130 million Chinese yen worth of proceeds was confiscated from the gang. The case highlights that even Beijing's attempts to wipe out cryptocurrency-related activities, including trading and mining, there is still a large amount of digital currency actively taking place. Chinese users have typically turned to overseas-based exchanges to trade cryptocurrencies, but this became harder as the crackdown from authorities intensified last year. The Public Security Bureau was alerted when they noticed that one of the suspects that had monthly transaction volume of 10 million yen in his bank account. The authorities said that two of the suspects had fled to Bangkok, Thailand, but were persuaded to return to China. The police did not elaborate on what this involved. And, it, and this is the interesting one too. It says last year, Chinese police arrested over 1,100 people suspected of laundering money via cryptocurrencies. Okay. You know, cryptocurrencies, if they're trying to launder money, at least I'm not an expert on cryptocurrency. I have an understanding of it. And the more I look into cryptocurrency, the more I understand it more and more. But I feel like laundering money through cryptocurrencies is not a smart move. And and the fact that these people did this is mind-boggling, okay? And the only reason I say that is cryptocurrencies, now I have to refresh my memory in my own mind, like there's like a block and then the block gets formed and each transaction forms a new block. And so you can trace the blocks back to the original source whenever there's a new block formed in the blockchain for some cryptocurrencies. Not every cryptocurrency has this, I believe. I could be wrong, but... I know for a fact that there are a lot of cryptocurrencies that have the blockchain technology. Hence one reason why IBM invested so much in blockchain blockchain technology because it's a fascinating technology. But it just seems like that was not a smart move on these people at the end of the day. Now, granted, I also wonder too, in the United States, if our own government is considering doing this as well. And at the end of the day, this might be a giant push for governments to start using cryptocurrencies because you could track all that stuff on the blockchain. Okay, it's it's recorded, I guess, like, what was it, the ledger or something it is? I'm sorry. I know there's other people out there who are 100 times smarter than I am when it comes to cryptocurrency, and I'm probably butchering everything about it right now. But I do know is like the blockchain is a fascinating thing the more I study it because it just proves how... It won't be like 100% secure, but it will show every transaction you ever make on the blockchain every time you move crypto. 
And so to me, like I've talked about in the past, there's always going to be a group of society that's going to want to use cryptocurrency. And this is one of them. And it's funny how they always say like, oh, criminals use cryptocurrency. Well, this is one uh, one transaction now that you're going to see people in the future talk about where they're going to say like, see, people used it to uh, cause pyramid schemes to happen and stuff. But in reality, this is just one other case added to it. At the end of the day, I mean, I remember reading once, if I'm not mistaken, that police loved cryptocurrencies because they were able to look through the transactions that happened. I have to re- I have, I'd have to find that article again, but I'm pretty sure I remember reading that somewhere. And I found that fascinating at the time. And that's when it finally made me start diving into Bit, uh, Bitcoin and all those cryptocurrencies to figure out how they worked. So last thing we'll read, Democratic lawmakers accused big oil companies of greenwashing. Okay. A pair of Democratic lawmakers on Friday accused the largest oil companies in the United States of greenwashing their public image and not doing enough to decarbonize fast enough to meet climate change targets. Carolyn B. Maloney, chair of the U.S. House of Representatives Main Investigation Committee, the Committee of Oversight and Reform, and Ro Khan, a member of the same committee and the Chairman of Oversight Environmental Subcommittee, sent a 31-page letter on Friday to the rest of the members of the committee with the latest findings on their ongoing investigation into the fossil fuel industry. Uh, Burning fossil fuel releases carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and causes global warming. The Oversight Committee began its investigation into what it calls a climate disinformation campaign on September of 2021 and held a hearing with top executives from oil and gas giants on October 28th of that year. The letter is the latest installment in the committee's bid to demonstrate that oil companies are not trying to reduce their CO2 emissions quickly enough while obscuring their lack of participation. Quote, these documents demonstrate how the fossil fuel industry greenwashes public image with promises and actions that oil and gas executives knew would not be meaningful to reduce emissions, even though the industry moved aggressively to lock in continued fossil fuel production for decades to come. Actions that could doom global efforts to prevent catastrophic climate change, the letter reads. These efforts are particularly offensive, Maloney and Khan said, because the amount of money the biggest oil companies are making right now. Okay, we got to remember that quote in a second, okay? And we'll talk about this going on. It says, the fossil fuel industry failure to make meaningful investment in long-term traditions, a correction, transition to cleaner energy is particularly outrageous in light of the enormous profits these companies are racking in the expense of the consumers, including nearly $100 billion in combined profits for Exxon, Chevron, Shell, and BP in the last two quarters, the letter reads. The letter also details ways that oil companies have made insufficient efforts to decarbonize their business and points to internal documents that show how the companies are continuing to invest in fossil fuel production and increase output. Quote, each of these companies have publicly pledged to reach net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050, the letter reads. However, experts have found that not one of these not one of the net zero pledges from BP, Shell, Exxon, or Chevron are aligned in pace with the scope of the cuts necessary to meet the goals of the Paris Agreement and avert c- catastrophic climate change. The letter has also points to documents that show how the industry is pushing natural gas as a long-term climate solution. In 2021, natural gas con- contributed to 34% of U.S. energy-related emissions and 22% of emissions globally. The letter reads, documents obtained by the committee show fossil fuel companies are lobbying groups to seek publicly positioned natural gas as a clean source of energy and a part of transition to renewables, even as the industry is privately planning for expanded natural gas production over the long term. Burning natural gas results in fewer green gas emissions and burning than burning coal or other kinds of fossil fuels for the same amount of energy, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. But it still releases greenhouse gas emissions, burning natural gas products, about 117 pounds of carbon dioxide per million British thermal units, a measure of heat, 
that compared to 200 pounds of coal and 160 pounds of fuel oil. Equally critically, the production of natural gas results in leaks to methane all around the production process, and methane is a greenhouse gas too. It's different greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide, but still considered global warming. Okay. Of course, they say that oil companies have denied these allegations because they say here it says the committee, uh, the committee's 14 month investigation, which included several hours of executive testimony and nearly a half million pages of documents, failed on all fronts to uncover evidence of climate disinformation campaign. Curtis Smith, the media lit, lit, lead for Shell North America, told CNBC, quote, in fact, the handful of subpoena documents the committee chose to highlight from Shell are evidence of the company's extensive efforts to set aggressive targets, transform its portfolio, and meaningful participation in its ongoing energy transition. Exxon claims the House committee lawmakers have been uh, disingenuous in their re representation of oil companies' engagement. Quote, our CEO has testified under oath of the subject during two all-day congressional hearings before two separate committees. We've been in regular communication for the committee for over a year, and I've provided staff with more than 1 million pages of documents, including broad materials, internal communications, Todd Splitter, Corporate Media Relations Senior Advisor for ExxonMobil, told CNBC. This is what it boils down to, okay? These people in Washington, at least in my opinion, are just trying to make oil companies continue to look bad, okay? I need to point this out, okay? Now, granted, some of this I'm about ready to point out could just be PR moves on these oil companies. And if it is, so be it. But I, I do need to point this out because these people are making an acquisition that these oil companies aren't doing enough. I personally just see people who are just complaining right now. And this is why, okay? You have companies like, like ExxonMobil who are pledging $15 billion. Now, granted, that probably could be more, but it's their choice at the end of the day. Remember, they're their own company and they can choose what they want to do, okay? They're pledging $15 billion for green energy projects, okay? At the same time, ExxonMobil has also has this, this algae thing that they're doing right now that they're somehow using algae for clean energy in the making, okay? I remember looking into that thinking that was a really weird thing at the time, but that's what ExxonMobil is doing. Then you have Chevron. Chevron has bought out a company, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while and my memory might be a little fuzzy, but I know Chevron was either investing or they bought out a company that was sucking CO2 out of the air and were able to turn into more natural gas. I don't know if we've ever talked about that in this podcast, or maybe it was something I had read in the past on my own before starting this podcast. But I do know that they were investing in technology like that, that was sucking CO2 out of the air. Okay. Now for BP. BP is the more interesting one. Okay. BP. Okay. From what I remember, and granted, this was a couple years ago, because I remember when I saw this in BP, I was like, I'm going to invest in BP just because this is where a lot of these people are wanting the oil industry to go is for green energy, okay? BP, if I'm not mistaken, has farms in Brazil that allow them to, it was either get the corn or sugar. They somehow get more ethanol production out of their products, but they own farmlands in Brazil, if I'm not mistaken. And if I also remember too, they own a lot of solar plants in the United States. And not only that, they own a lot of wind turbines as well. I can't speak for Shell. I didn't look into Shell as much before the recording of this podcast. But like I've said, I, I know about Exxon, Chevron, and BP because I looked into them before I personally invested in them. This is not financial advice in any way, shape, or form. You must do your own research before investing. But I remember a few years ago looking back on these companies saying, hey, they are making moves and it should make people in Washington happy. This committee, this committee in Washington, they just want to complain, it seems like at the end of the day. 
because these oil companies are doing something. Now, granted, it might not be enough in their eyes. And okay, if that's an argument you want to make, so be it. If they're not doing enough, that's their choice. That's what oil companies want to do right now, okay? But at the end of the day, I mean, like I said, it's either a PR move from these oil companies that are saying they're actually doing these projects or it's just people in Washington wanting to complain. I'm going to tell you this again, okay? I found the thing with Chevron taking CO2 out of the air extremely fascinating that they invested in something like that. Because if I remember reading that correctly, they said they were able to take CO2 out of the air. I need to look into this some more. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I believe it was CO2. Actually, let's look at it. It says tracking the energy transition hydrogen projects from, if we Google it right now, says here from the JPT, says hydrogen fuel storage. Yeah, they're... Hydrogen fuel storage and production projects are on the, on the go while CCS and wind projects receive significant international boost from the likes of Inpex, Chevron, Equinar, and Amazon. Even Amazon put cash into that. It says hydrogen, hydrogen Fuel Canada has compared an exclusive license agreement with Georgia Institution Technology for its patented pending MAP system for high yield sustainable un, un, uh, for sustainable from the air and water uses of gas phase electrochemical processes according to Hydrofuel. Let's see on here. I I don't have time to read this all fully. I'm sorry, guys. I'd look it up. But I remember, like I said, they they have invested in a company that's taking CO2 out of the air. And that technology to me is extremely fascinating. And that technology will continue to grow as a company. Okay. And if they do that, it just means that these oil companies are on the right track. So... I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast to be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street or that Wall Street isn't and willing to be able to talk about. Please also note too that you, as you keep sharing this podcast, we keep growing. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.